Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. I've worked in Silicon Valley for almost 20 years, and there is a lot of talk here about how culture trumps strategy, culture eats strategy for breakfast, as it were. The bumper sticker of Silicon Valley would be, we're making the world a better place. And that shop-worn phrase has been ruthlessly parodied on the HBO series of the same name because it is so rarely true. But there are a handful of companies that have stood the test of time on a foundational bedrock of values and integrity. And on that front, all roads lead back to HP. Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard were focused on building a company based on values 80 years ago. And so what does it mean today for a company to actually have and live values as a guiding light? And about a week ago, right at the height of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations, An Oakland entrepreneur, Brandy Riley, tweeted about BLM social media posts by companies. And she said, thanks for your Black Lives Matter graphics. Can you please share a photograph of your leadership team and your board of directors? And Ms. Riley's point is if Black Lives Matter, then why don't you hire Black Lives and put them in positions of power in your organization? So ahead of this podcast, I did exactly that. I looked at the HP board of directors and lo and behold, it is one of, if not the most, ethnically and gender diverse boards of any tech company. You can check it out for yourself. I'll put a link in the show notes. And here to talk about HP's diversity and inclusion initiatives is my guest, Leslie Slayton Brown, the chief diversity officer of HP. And I would say, without question, Leslie is reinventing the standards for diversity and inclusion at HP, but also for all of us. And she is a thought leader and a frequent speaker on the topic of diversity and inclusion. She's been at HP uh, for more than 20 years. She's boomeranged in and out of the company a couple of times. And on today's podcast, Leslie and I talk about Black Lives Matter. We talk about systemic racism and the roles, the role companies play in equalizing historic and systemic inequalities. We talk about how HP backs its words on diversity with action, both internally and externally. Uh, we talk about how HP measures its DNI initiatives. Leslie shares about their just their summer intern program, which they scaled from 200 to 1,800 during COVID. And we talk about why none of us are passers-by on the road to racial equality and justice. Leslie's vision, her passion, and her faultless clarity on creating a values-based workplace lights the path for all of us to follow. Without further ado, Here's my conversation with Leslie Slayton Brown of HP. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Michael. So 
a lot to talk about today. And I maybe just kind of for our listeners, just frame up your 20 year journey at HP over a couple of different 10 years and your role and what you do and what you're working on now. Sounds good. Yeah, so I'll start. And, and, and by the way, hit 25 years last year. Um, wow. I'm going into my 26th year um, with HP. They call me a boomeranger. I've been in and out of the company twice, once at the 10-year mark and back for 11 years, and then um, again at the 11-year mark. Um, and so I started my, I actually started my career in banking. Um, first first job out of out of college was uh, was banking and uh, was a part of a bank robbery and thought, yeah, don't think I want to do that. Don't like to watch people have guns pointed at them. Mm. And and um, uh, so so I'll pass on, on that career um, and then went into uh, working in construction engineering um, and representing our corporate communications organization uh, there and um, and then made way to HP, and my world and my life has been changed ever since for the better. So um, I started by uh, doing some mo- mostly like marketing, sales promotion, um, product marketing, program management, and worked from all across from network servers and disk disk drives to. Um, laser jet supplies and printers and um, graphic arts design and helping with acquisitions and um, uh, 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 really merging cultures of, of businesses, of companies that were coming together through acquisitions and, um, and found my way into what I would say would be the um, my zenith, the joy of my life. And that was addressing the digital divide, really looking mm. at the have and the have nots in technology and, and in the world and bringing technology to bear for those that could do more, could do better um, if given the right technological advances and tools um, to make things happen, build sustainable businesses and build more economically and sustainable countries even for that matter. And so I did some work um, out of Senegal, West Africa, in really being able to look at how at that time it was around, um, it was around building uh, e-commerce solutions. And so think conceptually of you're going to a third world country and somebody's selling you chains, you know, uh, trinkets or art, art, um, art artifacts, bracelets, and they sell them to tourists and they sell them from village to village. Um, we wanted to be able to help uh, enable those folks to build in incredible so- solutions, uh, e-commerce systems that would allow them to then sell from their village to the world. And um, and so did that for for many years, in fact. And um, and I like I always say that was the highlight of my career. But the interesting thing about that, Michael, was I had to step out for the, out of the company for about a year and a half and work um, in a dot com um, a dot com organization. I was like number eight of what grew to be about four hundred or so um, so folks, and be able to learn and take the skills that I learned and the product marketing and customer 
segmentation and, and really building out like the global businesses, which was the work that I did at HP and taking that and bringing all of those things into this role and being able to help try to solve for the digital divide. And um, I did that for, I don't know, four or five years. And um, then we had some changes in, in organization and shifts in the business and, you know, and, and the, in, the internet came on like a, like a gangbuster. And, and so we had to kind of work on some of those, um, some, some of those things, those, those advancements that were happening so fast and to be able to keep up with those. And so uh, I, I, I then found myself doing kind of, which I always was kind of that person at the table of like, well, what about, like, have we thought about, you know, marketing to this, this segment of people? Do we know anything more about, you know, what motivates and, and what, um, what drives to purchase? And, and so really looking at value chain systems and, and really building out the segmentation in the, in the real profile of, of our customers. And those things kind of just merged. And it, and it came, it kind of came to a point of, of being able to say, Hey, when you think about customer or business acquisitions and a company from Israel and, and a company from, from the U S merging together, what are the different cultural nuances that you need to be able to really understand and how do you bring those things together? And so, um, and then when you go to a country like Senegal, West Africa, as a as a first world country working with a third world country what are the things that you need to do not to drive them and lead them but to listen to learn and then enable them with the right with the right tools and solutions and guidance in order to build and so uh that that's been much the work that i that i've been doing Mm -hmm. um yeah so i'll pause there Yeah. Okay. No, that's great. And, and sounds like from the beginning, a focus on closing gaps. And I really, we're going to, you know, when we started talking uh, three weeks ago, we were going to have a, you know, a look at the effect of COVID on your, you know, what you're doing in the business and society. And we had, we've just had an incredible, tragic, sad, but amazingly, in a way, hopeful a uh, couple of weeks since then. And, and it, as the result of a tragedy and the murder of George Floyd in particular. And, you know, I want to, you know, get your thoughts on and, 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 and largely pivoting off of, um, you know, there, I think this time feels different and it feels like, Finally, maybe Americans are ready for brands and corporations to step up and play a more central role in addressing inequality and systemic racism and indeed police brutality. And so I just, you know, let's let's start on that and see where we get. Yeah, so. You know, so first and foremost, I mean, my my heart just goes out to George Floyd's family, Breonna Taylor's family, Ahmaud, mm. um, Aubrey, Ahmaud, Aubrey. Uh, Ahmaud Aubrey's family. Um, and there's a whole list 
a whole list of others, right? And there, there, I, I will be very honest with you, very candid. There's a part of me that's dumbfounded, um, as to the things that have gone on for so long and now, and why now, and to your point, I do feel like there's, this is different. Um, as much as I hurt and even honestly, as angry as I've been, I also have a lot of optimism and hope as a result of seeing um, not only corporations and people in different races galvanize and come together to be able to protest um, and to be able to have their voices heard and the demands being made for change to occur. It is done we're it's it's like enough is enough Mm. and this can't happen anymore and so we have to be able to put the right policies the right laws um the we we have to dismantle a, a structure and a system that has been and this is really hard for people to understand and um, and I and I kind of laugh because when when you don't understand, it's like, well, the joke's on you kind of. A, that's an example of what white privilege is. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't have to deal with it. You can choose where you want to or not insert yourself. And I cannot believe that you've gone through your entire life, you know, without seeing injustices happen to um, to to black people, but people of color, to people with disabilities, to women, to you know, you fill in the blank. And so, um, so, so the optimism that I have is, and 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 what we've stepped into at HP is the learning, the understanding of we have a business model that is states very clearly that we stand on equal and human rights. We also know that within HP, our foundation, the foundation, the DNA of HP, Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard was built on values being our guiding light. And these things we bring together and say that as a company with these values, there's no way we can we can turn our heads. And so um, I think, and what's unfortunate is we had to see this live on video, um, a death to occur, a murder to occur in order for us to get to this place. But I will also say that there's been so much work that has been done um, previously in um, the diversity and inclusion space and, and, and belonging help kind of right and level, if you will, um, some of, of the wrongs um, that exist within, uh, within corporate, uh, within, the, within the system, quite honestly. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm feeling, I'm feeling optimistic uh, that this isn't going to be uh, just a moment, um, but we really have ignited a movement out of the rage, the fear, the the, the fear, the anger, the, um, you know, all of those things that, the, that we've emoted, you know, over these last few weeks, few mm-hmm. months, and actually few years. Yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, it, it, 
there were a lot of things at least that shifted in me too. And I can, you know, speak for myself. I was actually just before we got on, uh, I was talking to my dad who's 81 and lives in Nashville. And he went to Nashville as a newly minted PhD from the University of California at Davis in the early 70s to teach at Meharry, Meharry Medical College. Um, and, um, you know, being one of two schools, uh, historically black colleges and universities that, that, that taught doctors. And we were, you know, we were talking about, you know, his journey and, and what, what it, what it meant for him to be there for five years. And, you know, and, and, and for me, I'll I'll just say this, you know, I looked at my employees today and I said, we've, we are going to change. Right. So, and, and I don't think it was, it was not indifference on my part, but it was, it almost felt like somebody else is going to take care of that. And this time, Al Sharpton said in his eulogy, none of us are passers-by. Right. And I think that's that's the change I think that we're seeing is that everyone everywhere is finally are finally getting the message that we all have a part to play. Absolutely. Wherever we sit, wherever we stand, everyone has a part to play. It's not I'm gonna leave it to those BLM protest Black Lives Matters protesters. They're doing a great job. Keep it up. No, we all have a part. And I think that to me is what is what is profound. And everybody I'm talking to is not, they're not like, hey, let's jump on this bandwagon. It's like a lot of introspection going on. So mm-hmm. I, you know, and there's, you know, HP has a ton of legacy and a ton of, you know, ethics to the core, right? Was yes. always one of those agency or companies that was just, hey, we're we're doing this from a place of standards and quality and ethics. And, Absolutely. And that that continues. And then today it's okay, closing the gap between tone and deed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That that's really and that personally is what's happened for me is like I'm I'm gonna close the gap. Tone is right. Deeds now have to stack up mm-hmm. and stand up. So how are you, you know, you're, you're head of DNI there. How, what's, what's changed, I guess, and maybe nothing, but what, how are you thinking about it now versus a couple weeks ago? Uh, that's, it, that's a really good question. Um, and I, I will admit the demands are really, really high right now. Um, but there's a, there's, there's something I want to like tune you into. You heard me say I'm a boomeranger. Mm-hmm. There's a reason I've left HP and there's reasons I've come back in the fundamental reasons, what you just stated, we're a company of principle of values. And so, although we've, we've been working, especially since our separation in, in this, um, realm of diversity and inclusion and being very intentional about embedding it into everything that we do. We've been very atten- intentional about standing up our board of directors and creating thus the, the, the most diverse board of directors in the tech industry, which we're very we're proud of. More than being proud of that, though, we've seen the impact that that board has on our leadership 
We have a very culturally diverse leadership. Um, I think they represent over like, I don't know, seven, eight different countries. Um, and and so the, the, the thing that I find is different that I'm stepping into right now is as the, as the head of, of global diversity and inclusion around this particular time that we're in with Black Lives Matter and the, the police brutality and the civic unrest and COVID and all of those things is the, is the understanding that these things have disproportionately impacted communities of color and even more so African-Americans more than other groups. And so, yes, I, I'm over DNI, and yes, I care about all of our marginalized groups and underserved groups and the, the programs that we've put in place. And by the way, these programs are sticking. We're building relationships with business deans from the HBCUs. Um, there are 111 mm-hmm. in the country and 85 of them are a part of a roundtable that that we're a part of. We're using our corporate um, uh, a power to be able to um, unite HBCUs with the New York Stock Exchange, which, by the way, they want to be able to recruit from, you know, from those schools. Um, we make deliberate efforts in um, mentorship and sponsorship programs, and we see great um, promotions and, and development happen, you know, as a, as a result of that. So all of those things are, are, are wonderful. But the, the thing that is different right now and the thing that people have to, I think, really understand, and I've spent these last few weeks explaining, this is about humanity, right? And and, and all of the diversity and, and goals and targets are wonderful and all the inclusion and engagement opportunities and people's sense of belonging and bringing whole selves to, to work are just so important. And we've done, I think, a really good job. And yes, there's more work for us to do. We're now at a really, really pivotal point in time in that we're not transitioning because those things are still important, but we're focusing more on now the systems and the structures that have been put in place that have held these groups back, and in particular, African-Americans in, in the U.S. And so I had a conversation with somebody today, and they just said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with systemic, um, you know, racism, and I don't consider myself a racist. And and, and, and you probably don't, and that's great. But when you think about, and, you know, part of it is, is I, 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 um, I, said, I said to this individual, like, so part of it is this, and I'll use myself as an example. You know there's something wrong with the system when, Michael, you can go for a loan <laughs> and get mm-hmm. the loan for a home. And my husband and I can go for a, and get a, a, a loan for the home. But the interest rate that we pay somehow is higher because we're deemed a higher risk because we checked African-American on the application. And so that's that's something wrong in the system and and ultimately said business had to pay out, you know, to, to, to folks. And so when you start looking at that at all at all angles about the education educational system. Why is it within Palo Alto, you have 
right across the bridge, one mile away, one of the richest school systems in Palo Alto and one of the poorest just a, a mile away. And why, why is that divide? Why does that divide exist? Why do those students, those brown students, predominantly brown students and black students not have access to technology? Why haven't we taken care of those communities? And, um, and so I can kind of go on and on about, you know, mm. property ownership leads to opportunity to uh, take out a loan and be able to, you know, to, to start a business or to send your, student, your, your child to college. Or, um, and so all of these things have come to a head under this social and racial injustice that we see happening. And so a lot of what we're working on right now is, is how do we mobilize as as individuals, and by the way, it's not—it's not for the black people to have to fix the problem in the system that's that—that's been set up to keep you back and help hold right. you back. And so it is education around that. And it's, by the way, it's not for me to have to educate you either, right? right? But we we do have to be able to have the hard conversations, and that's where we started. Was convening, you know, a town hall and bringing in our executive leadership team to listen and to hear the stories of the people that by day we do this. And when we walk out those doors, the things that happen as a result of just the color of our skin, those things don't happen to anyone, to to everyone. And yeah. so it is we're we've been we've gone through this listening exercise of being able to to, to hear and to share. And, and, and now we're moving into, you know, now that people are, quote unquote, woke, let's now get to that place of understanding that there have been un, unmerited privilege that's been given out to a group of people. You know, don't feel guilty about it. Do something about it. And, and the do is now what we're focusing on. How do you become a better ally? How do you become an ally, a better ally or, and or advocate for, um, for Black people, for people of color, for different groups, for marginalized groups? We're starting in this, in this, in this place around and galvanizing around Black Lives Matter because if you can fix this for Black lives, then all lives can be impacted. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. Thank you. You know, in the, <clears throat> I think you, you started talking about, um, HBCUs and, and, and recruitment. And I think the one, I think the one thing I have seen in Cornell West was on with Anderson Cooper and he said, I'm buoyed up by the depth and the breadth of the change, and I was I was talking to someone, and it feels in a in the sense uh, the way that marriage equality once was this marginal, yeah, okay, we sh- everyone should be able to marry at one point, and then one day it just changed. And I think I believe, and I hope, and I want to be buoyed up by this idea that we have crossed this line and we're not going back, and that that to me feels powerful and important but i think that is just the beginning yeah it's not we haven't achieved anything we've just achieved right. an acknowledgement the that there that the problem is catastrophic yeah 
And it's at every level. And you were talking about income disparities and uh, of access to credit and redlining and on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading a piece about African-Americans being spending, having to spend much more for college, being much more likely to take out loans mm-hmm. of much higher value and on and on and on. And you just see it. It's just the numbers are just overwhelming and catastrophic. And I, But I want to maybe just dip into intergenerational move your your company that recruits how how will this change your recruiting strategy and i think gen z kids coming out of school assuming we're still going to have college um post covid i think we will uh are saying overwhelmingly that they want to work for organizations that have a purpose that have values and that those values reflect their values. And I think that, you know, that, that, that I feel is a very powerful pressure moving organizations to not just say, but to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you think about corporate citizenship, um, one of the things, and, and when we think of, so, so first of all, HP is hosting 200 interns this year within the U.S. And I'm excited about that, but I'm proud of my company because when COVID came and quarantine happened, many companies pulled out. Many companies said, you know what, we're not going to be able to, you know, we're not going to be able to host you this year as an intern. Thanks, but We'll, you know, we'll see you. Some of the companies, great, said, well, we'll give you a you know, partial pay payment of, of what we said. So if you think about that, so one, it, it, the, the students aren't getting the experience. Um, and two, when you think about the impact that COVID had alone on, uh, um, on students of color in particular, then mm-hmm. the loss of income is, is, is catastrophic in some way. So it's loss of income and loss of experience, you know, to be able to kind of come in, be ushered into, you know, rural world corporate, you know. And so um, one of the things that I'm so proud of, of HP for doing is identifying, you know what, we want to give these students um, opportunity. So we're now hosting 1,800 students and climbing, wow. by the way, I don't think that it's tipped off, wow. but we're hosting about 1,800 students in what we're calling the HP Summer Scholars Program. And it's not a pay, it's not a paid internship, but it is an opportunity to, prov- to get a certification at the end of a six week period. And so for four hours a day for four days a week and on the fifth day is optional to be able to participate in hackathons and and, and business challenges and different things. Will these 1,800 students be able to get a deeply immersed experience in um, supply chain management, um, uh, uh, business strategy, um, you know, sustainable impact, you know, uh, PCs and printers, and understand, you know, what what and how we how we do things um, at, at at HP. Um, and so I'm leadership skills, leadership and development skills, diversity and inclusion, 
um, in in the workplace, all of those different things. And at the end of that, you get a you get a certification, and you'll be able to say you you um, although you didn't get the hands on experience, you got the learning. So so it, it eliminates that gap in in the resume um, for 2020. And um, and that's big. That's we opened it up to. Uh, we first started with HP families. We, you know, our kids are impacted by this too, and so we started there. And then we built. We opened it up to HBCUs and some of the um, diverse talent organizations that we work with: Society of Women Engineers and um, National Society of Black Engineers, and. Um, you know, and so on, and other schools and our partner schools. And so we were able to, and as I said, 1,800 students. And, and, and more than that, you got leaders, you got business leaders that said, I will invest my time in helping you and educating you. And so that's something to be proud of. Yeah. As a as yeah. an employee of the company and as a leader of the company that we care. And it is, again, a great example of going back to we stand on equal and human rights. We want to be able to provide that because our people are our beating heart and um, for the for the company. And so um, I don't know. I just I that's why I say I'm I'm hopeful and those are the things that I hope that that this new generation that's coming in sees and evaluates companies on. And yes, I'm proud of HP. And yes, there are there are other companies out there, you know, doing doing great things. But when I think about the representation of um, of of HP, this the the um, the priorities that we have in place in order to really align our values, our principles, and, um, and and our business together, people really need to look at that, and they need to make decisions. They are making decisions on the companies that they will either purchase from, or want to work for, or be in partnership be in partnership with. Um, and so that's that. Those things are important to note. Yeah, categorically, I. I think that last point about that perceptions about brands are being made now that will last a generation, right? It's sort of, you know, what did you do during the war, right? Who were you? Yeah. What, how did you show up? What did you do? Um, you know, it's, it's very much, uh, 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 it's going to be a stamp. And I think that there's going to be companies that really embrace change and transformation and those who are just like, well, you know, we'll give it, you know, we're going to check the box. And I think the days of checking the box are Are over, are behind us. They're in the rear view. Yeah. Yeah, But, and that's why I said, and that's why I build on, yes. So diversity and inclusion is still going to be important because people, this new generation will still care about, and I often tell tell students, you should care about the culture of the company that you that you work for, and 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 proudly HP. The culture is our differentiator, and it, that was Bill and Dave. Um, you know, years ago they were very progressive. Um, um, 80, 80 years ago, um, but but those things have collided, or I shouldn't say collided. They've intersected. And never, it's like, we'll never be, 
be ever back to the pre-COVID normalcy. Yeah. It's moving yeah. forward. What will that be? And, and how will you be in, as, a, as a result of it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Leslie, we there's literally so much to talk about, and we could I know <laughs> I talk talking the with you, rest, Michael. <laughs> the rest of the day. I feel like we could go on for the rest of the day, but we're going to leave it there. And it's been a great uh, a great time with you, and I really really appreciate your time and your insights on this topic, and at this very important and pivotal time for everyone. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you taking the time with us today. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.